This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. We're going to be starting this journey looking at the book of John. So if you grab your Bibles, you also see in your notes there, John chapter 1. That's where we're starting. If you're going to start a book study, you got to start at the very beginning, right? John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verse 43. As we study today and as we study the next few weeks, what we're going to be looking at is different moments that people had with Jesus in the book of John and how they walked away from those situations never the same and how if we take those truths on into our lives, God will make us forever change from the inside out. So as we start here in John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 43. And it says this, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip, somebody say Philip, was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel, somebody say Nathaniel, and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets were wrote about. His name is is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, verse 46, this is Nathanael's response to Philip. He says, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? You ever had those type of conversations with those hard-headed people before? That they think they know it all? They think that they've got it all figured out and they're looking at you like, Jesus? What does Jesus have to do with my life? I'm good. What I love about Philip is his response right away is real simple. He says, well, come and see for yourself. As they approached Jesus together, Jesus said to Nathanael, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity, he says. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip even found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, I love Jesus' response here. Do you believe this just because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? And then he makes a promise to him and to all of us. You will see greater things than this. Then Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man and the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Come on, somebody shout amen this morning. Title of today's message is pretty simple. We see here that Nathaniel is dealing with some doubt. He's dealing with some questions. He's a natural skeptic. And what I want us to talk about today is dealing with doubters. What does it look like to deal with the doubt? How do we handle that? I don't want to talk to two specific people in the room here today. I want to talk to Phillips and I want to talk to Nathaniels. So if you would, let's pray over God's word before we move any further. Father, right now in this moment, I pray all distraction will leave. I pray everything that has been on people's minds and hearts 
would no longer be the priority. What will be the priority right now, God, is your word. And what you have to say to us as your people. And I believe right now, God, in this moment, there's people in this room that are here on purpose with a purpose. And we believe, God, that you're going to be able to allow us to walk out of this room. Walk away from hearing this message. There's people online right now that when they walk away hearing this message, they're going to walk away never the same again. And I pray that happens for every single Philip and Nathaniel in the room. Every single person that would hear this message. And we pray all these things in your name. And everybody said real loud. Amen. 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 You see, we should never underestimate the power of the moments people can have with Jesus. They are life-changing. We should never run from those times, and we should not resist the opportunities that we would get to even help others never be the same again. You know, something I've enjoyed about these past couple weeks as we do this every single year in our annual Kingdom Builders Missions Convention, as we celebrate how God is using missionaries and people reach other people groups all around the world. They go to all these different places and they go all to these different regions that some we've never even heard about. And they go and they share the good news, the message of hope with the people that are there. But as I was preparing for today, I wondered, can those same type of miraculous moments that are happening in jungles and in far regions around the world, can that happen at your job? Can that happen in your neighborhood? Can that happen at your school? Can that happen in your family? That yes, God is sending out missionaries and sending out these people to reach all the, the four corners of the earth. But I wonder if those same miracles are going to take place, who is he going to send here? He's sending you. He's sending me. He's wanting us to be the Phillips. He's wanting us to be those people that are willing to say, God, however you want to use me, I'm ready. I'm game. Whatever that looks like, God, you tell me and I'll go. Now, listen, it's hard to come to those moments because sometimes God asks you to do some pretty radical things, doesn't he? That boss has been on your nerves. God has been asking you to pray for him. No, God, wait a second. No. <laughs> I'm already on bad terms with him for something I didn't even do. And you want me to go up to him and pray for him? What? He's going to ask you to do some things. He needs you to be that Philip. But how do you deal with those that you know maybe are doubting and are skeptical? Let's be honest. It, it, that's just the day and age that we live in. Everybody has a question about something. They're not going to take your truth at face value. So how do we handle those moments with those doubters, with those skeptics, with the Nathaniels? Or maybe you're in this room today and you're Nathaniel yourself. And you're questioning and you're doubting. Let's look at this moment in John 1 and learn from some truths that God is teaching us. So the first truth is simply this. Jesus chose you for the task. Write that down. Circle it. Underline it. Highlight it. Make it real big. Because you need to be reminded that Jesus is choosing you. Look to your neighbor and say, he's choosing you. He's choosing you. He's choosing me for the task at hand. You see, when we look at this passage, we see that meeting Jesus had a profound effect on Philip. He immediately went out, 
found his friend Nathanael and told him he met the Messiah, the one Moses wrote about. You see, when we look at Philip, we know this truth. Listen, when you're serious about Jesus, it doesn't take long to become a witness for him. All you need is that moment. All you need is that time. All you need is that encounter with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus himself. And when you experience that, there's nothing like sharing that with somebody else. I, I remember when I was growing up and I had those, that moment and an encounter with God. It, it was in, in the youth ministry here at this church. And I, I remember going on a retreat and God really spoke to me. He, he really uh, met with me there that day on the retreat that we were at. And I, I, I came back lit. I just came back ready to go. I came back walking into my schools, talking to my friends and just helping them in whatever way I can so they can know the same truth that I've experienced, the same hope that I've experienced. And it's not something you just hold on to like a selfish little child. It's something you, you share. When God allows you to have a moment with him, that's something you need to share with somebody else. And that's what Philip was doing. Jesus called Philip because he knew the impact Philip would have on Nathaniel. There's a reason that God has allowed you to have moments with him. There is a reason he's been speaking to you. It's because there's Nathaniels in, the in your life that you need to reach. You are needed. Somebody say, I am needed. He's calling you to reach those around you. And what I love about Philip, he knew that Jesus was was choosing him to be one of his disciples and to follow him. And immediately, he thought about Nathaniel. Now, in that moment, I, I'd like to think, and I'm sure it's true. I'll ask him when I get to heaven one day. <laughs> Philip, what were you thinking about right when Jesus met you that you felt like you just needed to go and grab Nathaniel? Didn't you know that he was hard-headed? Didn't you know already that he was a skeptic and he'll have questions? I'm sure Philip will respond to me, Absolutely. Absolutely. What I love about Philip is that, that that didn't stop him. That didn't stop him. Listen, there's, there's some, some knuckleheads in your family. There's some tough people around you in your workplace that you're like, Jesus, you want me to share love with them? You want me to share this message on Twitter? What? Where all the trolls are? <laughs> Listen, where it's the most dark, that's where the light needs to shine the brightest. And there's people that are around you every single day that are skeptics, that are doubters, that have questions. And you are the one that Jesus is choosing to go make a difference in their life. You know how they are. There is a reason that you've been born into the family that you've been born into. There's a reason that you have the family that you have. It's because God's choosing you to make a difference. God's choosing you to do something about the situations in your family. Listen, there's a reason you're at the job that you're at. I don't care whether you love it or you hate it. There's a reason you're there. And while you're there, what difference are you making in people's lives? Listen, there's a reason that you live on the block that you live on. There's a reason you have the neighbors that you have. There's a reason you live by these people. It's because God has placed you for such a time as this. He's choosing you, Philip. He's choosing you for the task at hand. We, not, we cannot talk ourselves out of the invitation. There's too many times we think about those Nathaniels in our life. 
And we talk ourselves out of even asking them or talking with them or bringing it up with them. Oh God, you know my dad. You're asking me to tell him about you, but you know him. He's been stuck in his ways for so long. What I have to say, it's not gonna mean anything to him. Don't talk yourself out of the invitation. Philip knew how Nathaniel was gonna respond and he still invited him anyways. You know what he said to him? Well, come see for yourself. Because you need to know the truth the same way I have. I want to help you see the truth the same way I have. That's why Romans chapter 10, verse 13, reminds us of this task that Jesus is calling us to. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But who can ask unless they believe in him? And how can they believe if they have never heard about him? And here's the key. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Stop passing the buck to the church. We get so caught up in this mentality that, well, uh, if I just bring them to church, they'll be fine. No, no, no. This whole task that God is calling you to is not just about bringing them to Sunday morning. It's how you're sharing your life with them. How are you bringing Jesus to them? You might not have the opportunity like Philip to bring them to Jesus, but no, you are Jesus with skin on. So how can you bring Jesus to them? They're not going to know unless you tell them. Think about this for a moment. Two plus two is what? Four. Okay, good. You guys graduated kindergarten. I'm glad we have mathematicians in the house. Two plus two is four. We know this. Why do you know this? It's because somewhere along your life, usually when you were a young child, someone took the opportunity to teach you that. They taught you that two plus two, sum total is a four. If it wasn't for that person teaching you, you might still think that two plus two is oranges. And you know that is wrong because the facts and the way the people taught you has shown you the truth. I wonder if nobody ever teaches your family about Jesus, will they ever learn about him? I wonder if you never tell your coworker that's on the cubicle next to you about Jesus and try to teach them and tutor them in this way, will they ever get taught about the truth? They might have a blurred understanding. They might have all these doubts and concerns about what is true and what is not, what is fact and what is not. And it's not until somebody comes along and teaches them. How can they know unless someone tells them? How can they know unless someone brings it up? Jesus is choosing you to be that person. John chapter 20, verse 19. We see here in this passage, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but we see Jesus after his resurrection is showing himself to the disciples and he calls them for a great task. Specifically, look at verse 21 there. He says, peace be with you. So when he chooses you for the task, right from the jump, he tells you, peace. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Peace be with you. Somebody say peace. peace. And once he says that, he says this. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending who? Sending who? Me? See what I did there? 
He's sending us. Jesus is telling us that as Jesus has been sent by the Father God, Jesus is now sending us to do the same thing that Jesus did. We have to take that to heart. We have to take that with such passion in our lives. That's why the next thing I want you to write down is something that Pastor Tom reminds us all the time of this. Let his mission be my passion. What he's calling me to do needs to be something that burns on the inside of me. That I don't, I don't go a day without sharing my faith with somebody. I don't go a day without praying with somebody. I got to go and make sure I do this because there's a fire that's shut up in my bones. And I've got to share that with somebody else. Come on. Somebody give God praise if that's a passion of your life. That's why Acts chapter 20 verse 24 reminds us of this. He says, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. What is that work? Well, he tells us. The work of telling others about the good news, about God's mighty kindness and love. Come on. Somebody shout amen to that. Your life is worth nothing unless you're sharing the message of Jesus with somebody. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is reminding us of the Great Commission, of how important it is for us to be people about this this mission, this, this, this commission he's sending us on. And he says this specifically. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Somebody say all. All. Come on, say louder than that. Say all. All. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, Jesus says, even to the end of age. Can I tell you what you just read there? Being the Great Commission. It's called the Great Commission for a reason because it's not the Great Suggestion. Are you hearing what I just said? It's not the Great Suggestion. God's not saying to you, well, if you have time during your lunch hour, take a moment and tell them about me. No, no, no. He's not telling you, okay, when you feel better tomorrow, and your headache is gone, then try to share them with me. No, no, no. Nor does he say to you, okay, once you've memorized all of the book of John, once you get to that place, then okay, if you feel like it, tell them about me. No, 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 this is not a suggestion. This is a command. This is the mission that Jesus is sending us on. This is something we got to remind ourselves about. He's not suggesting that we do this. No, he says this needs to be the fabric of your life. That when you've experienced the life and love of Jesus, who are you to hold on to it and, and not share that with somebody else? This is the Great Commission. I'm to share the good news everywhere to everyone. My mission, my purpose is to tell others about Christ, regardless of what my occupation is. Your value, your purpose is not wrapped up in your job. It's wrapped up in who Jesus tells you you are and what you should do. A non-witnessing Christian is a contradiction. My mission is to help other, other people come into God's family. That's my purpose. That's why I'm here. 
That's why all of us are here. That's the purpose of your life. I've been mainly speaking to the Phillips in the room, but let me speak to the Nathaniels. Let me take a moment to speak to those that maybe you've walked into this place today or you're watching online and you're experiencing doubt yourself. You identify with Nathaniel. What good can come from God? What good can come from Jesus? How is that going to help me in life? Maybe you've had your doubts, your concerns, and you're in here searching for answers. Let me tell you before you walk out of here today, there's purpose on your life. There's purpose on your life. God has called you for such a time as this, and you can face tomorrow because of the purpose that God has on your life. You don't have to worry about the questions because God has the answers. And if you would just open yourself and allow God to explain what that looks like for you, you don't have to end it. You don't have to walk away. You have to just allow God to reveal his purpose to you because he's ready and willing to do that. Come on, somebody shout amen to that this morning. Now back to the Phillips. Next thing I want you to write down, the next truth we're looking at is Jesus knows them better than you do. Jesus knows them better than you do. We see here in Psalm chapter 139, David reminds us of how much God knows us. He reminds us of how much God knows every single person in this room. He says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You ever had those moments or those relationships? You have a really close friend, a really close person in your life, and it's like as you're talking, they can finish your sentence. You know what I'm talking about? They just have this connection with you, right? God is closer to you than that. That before you even start the sentence, he knows exactly what you're about to say. He knows you're coming in and you're going out. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. He knows you better than you know yourself. So Phillips in the room, when you're sharing or looking to share or wanting to live out this great commission, just know that God knows them better than you do. So he knows exactly what they need to hear. Jesus had displayed his omniscience in this moment with Nathaniel, his supernatural knowledge of all things. Not only did he know about Nathaniel's character and well, where Philip was, or where he was when Philip found him, but he also knew that Nathaniel, what Nathaniel had been thinking about. Jesus knew what Nathaniel was thinking about under the fig tree before he even met him. Some theologians believe that he was thinking about Jacob's dream at Bethel that is recording in Genesis chapter 28. Jacob dreamed of a stairway to heaven and how people can reach heaven. This Old Testament account is most likely what Nathaniel had been thinking about under that tree. How do we know that? Because not only did Jesus make explicit reference to the story, but he also told Nathaniel that he was an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Being a deceiver was exactly what Jacob was known for in the book of Genesis. So by these two comments that Jesus made to Nathaniel, Jesus was making Nathaniel aware that he knew exactly what he was thinking about. Jesus knew what Nathaniel needed to hear and he said it directly to him. How do we know that again? You saw 
Even Nathaniel's response. He was like, Jesus, how, how, how do you know me like that? What am I thinking about right now? What number is in my head? He was shocked and amazed that Jesus in his omniscience, is his all-knowing power, was able to pinpoint what Nathaniel was thinking about about Jacob and his dream and how he didn't want to end up as a deceiver like Jacob did, but now he's revealing himself to be the truth that as the new stairway to heaven, Jesus is that. So you don't have to question Nathaniel. You don't have to wonder, how will you get there? Jesus is telling him it's through me. It's through me. I'm that stairway now. He knew what Nathaniel needed to hear and God knows exactly what your friends and your family needs to hear. That before you even say a word, he knows what you need to be saying and what they need to hear. One of the best examples I can give you is found in a story that I'm going to ask Edson to come forward and helping us. This is our media director. Everybody give it up for Edson. He's got an awesome story about a time where he was dealing with car issues. And as he was dealing with car issues, he called for an Uber and had an amazing moment in that car with the Uber driver, right? Yes. Uh, thank you, Pastor Christian. Uh, good afternoon, CLC. Oh, well, God is good. God is good. Um, as Pastor Christian was saying, last year I was having some car trouble. And when you're having car trouble, it's always at the most inconvenient time in your life, right? It's never a happy time when your car goes down. But last year, my car goes, um, goes down, and um, it happened here by the church, and I had to take it to uh, a local shop. And uh, when I got it there, um, he's, the, the mechanic said it was going to take about a couple weeks um, because it was a, a pretty big issue. And uh, so I went home. And uh, the thing is, is that I, I live pretty far from the church. I don't live uh, really close by. So um, one day, finally, the, the mechanic calls, and he says, the car is ready. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, you know? And um, so I was thinking, all right, so how am I going to get to the mechanic? Because I'm home alone, and uh, all my friends here work at the church. So I was thinking, you know what? I could call somebody from the church. And they could come pick me up, and then they'll take me to go get a mechanic. But that's like a 30, 40-minute drive. And I was like, you know, they would do it. Or I could take an Uber. And I looked at the Uber prices, looked it up, and I was like, ooh, it's a lot of money, especially this time of the day. And then, and then honestly, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Ed, don't be cheap. Take the Uber. And I was like... God? Really? Like, don't. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I took the Uber. I got, like, I, I scheduled the Uber. And uh, finally, the Uber driver comes up and uh, I get into his car. And uh, one of the coolest things was that when I, when I got into his car, I heard that there was like Christian music playing in the car, and I was like, oh, that's cool, you know, and to myself. I'm like, this is cool. He's a believer. So I just got in, sat down, just kept to myself. You know, I didn't want to say a word, just is how I am in the Uber. I wasn't really talking to the, to the drivers. And um, so we get ready to pull off, and the gentleman turns around, and he says, hey, is, is that your house that I picked you up from? I said, yeah, that's my house. Been there for 10 years. And he's like, oh, you, you see that house over there? And I was like, yeah, I see that house. He goes, that, that used to be my house. And I was like, oh, really? I said, oh, what, what, what happened? And he's like, 
Oh, man, honestly, um, I'm going through a really hard time right now, man. My, uh, my wife left me, and um, I'm at the lowest I can, I can ever be at right now. And I was like, man, I, I, I am so sorry. And in that car while we started driving, I've, God started revealing things that was already inside of me, scriptures that I didn't know that I had still tucked deep inside of me. And I started encouraging him while we started driving. And then all of a sudden, there was a presence in the car. I can't explain to you the feeling, but the atmosphere shifted in the car. And then uh, I remember we're now on the turnpike, right? And he's crying. I'm tearing up and crying. And when you're crying and driving, it's not a good thing because you're trying to wipe and you're like, Lord Jesus, let's just get to the mechanic. But God, you're doing amazing things right now. But um, but then finally, we got to uh, the mechanic and we're in the driveway. And um, I said, man, before I go, we, we have to pray. I have to pray for you. So he turned around and held hands with him. I started praying over him, praying for restoration in his marriage, praying for just things to just favor upon his life. So then uh, after we done, we didn't have time. This whole time God moved. We didn't have time to really get to know each other. He didn't really know my name. He didn't know anything about me. So he said to me, he's like, so, so where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from the States, but my dad is from Aruba. And my mom is from Curacao. And he's like, oh, wow. So he's like, so how, how do you know Spanish? And I was like, Spanish? I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know Spanish. Actually, my wife's Cuban. And she doesn't speak Spanish. And um, I said, I don't know Spanish. And I looked at him, and he was in awe. Like, I, I can't describe, he was just, he just started saying, that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Holy Spirit. You see, he was speaking to me in Spanish, and I was speaking to him in Spanish. And I, again, goosebumps, Holy Spirit. I could not believe, I tell you, after that, my wife right here, I was on the phone with her. I was trying to find the closest Spanish person. I was saying, can you speak Spanish to me? Speak Spanish. Can you but it was just, it was just a moment. Um, but, you know, honestly, can I just say this, is our God is a God of the moments, guys. He is a God of the moments. And what I learned from this is that, you know, I didn't, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't want to say anything in the car. But because I was available and then I was obedient, God used me in that situation. And I thank God that he chose me to do that. And I'll tell you what, the worst feeling you can ever have is ignoring the Holy Spirit. And I just thank God. And, you know, and just how our our theme is, you know, ever since that day, and you can say for me and my wife, ever since that day, I have never been the same. I have been on fire for the Lord. And I just thank God. Thank you. Come on, give it up for Edson, man. He doesn't know Spanish. Doesn't know a lick of it. But God knew what that guy needed to hear. Wow. If we would just allow ourselves to be available like Edson said. You have no idea what miracles God can work in and through you. If we would just say, God, you know them better than me. 
You know exactly what they need to hear. Edson is here speaking in English, he thinks. And the guy is hearing it in Spanish. Listen, can I tell you? It doesn't matter what you think their lens might be. God's going to help break that lens for them. They're going to be able to receive what is necessary because God knows them more than you do, better than you do. And what we learned even through Edson's story is simply this. God's truth can reach the toughest critic. Write that down. God's truth can reach the toughest critic. It doesn't matter who that person is, how hard-headed they are, how skeptical they are, how much doubt they have. God's truth will always reach them because he knows them better than you. That's why 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it reminds us that all scripture is inspired by God. And is useful, useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. All Edson had to do was quote the Bible to the guy. And that's going to help him. Our job is to invite them to Jesus. The Father through the Holy Spirit would draw them closer to him. Nathaniel's in the room. I want you to know before you walk out of here today that God knows you better than you know yourself. You might think you've got it all figured out. You might think you have the answers to those questions. Maybe you're not sure, sure, whatever. Can I tell you, God knows you better than you know yourself. There's a, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about how before you were even in your mother's womb, God knew you. And he set out his plans and purposes from the very beginning at that moment. You might think that God doesn't know everything about you, but huh, I'm telling you here today, he does. He knows your fears, he knows your doubts, he knows your questions and your concerns, and he has answers for those things. Just let him speak it to you today. And lastly, the last truth we're going to look at today, we find in this passage that Jesus promises further and greater revelation. Jesus promises further and greater revelation. Nathaniel declares that Jesus truly is the Son of God when he has this moment with Jesus. This type of faith and revelation can only come by a true encounter with Jesus. And what is amazing about this is that Jesus promises to reveal to Nathaniel and all of those who would believe that even greater things of this will be revealed to them. Come on, somebody say amen to that. We should not miss the fact that Jesus replaced the image of a stairway in Jacob's dream with the Son of Man, with himself. Thus, Jesus Christ is the bridge between heaven and earth. He grants access to heaven. As he would tell his disciples later, and he tells all of us, no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. Jesus is the bridge between God and man. When we exercise faith in what God reveals to us, he will grant us an even greater experience of himself. That's what I love in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when Paul's writing to the people of Corinth. He's also writing to us and telling us that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Come on, somebody say amen to that. But here's the key here, and he's revealing more truth to us. He said, but it is to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. You cannot go and figure that out on your own. 
You want to know what the plans and purposes, the reason you're still breathing today? You got to ask God. And he will reveal these things by his spirit. He will reveal these things through his word of what you should be doing with your life. He tells us, for the spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. You want to have the proper wisdom in your life? You need to ask God. You want to have the proper knowledge in your life? You need to ask God. You want to know what to do with the situations in your life and the answers to those questions? Ask God. You want to know what to do when that situation at your job? Ask God. You want to know how to handle your spouse now because of how things have been? Ask God. You want to know how to handle this virus? Ask God. God is willing and ready to give you the truth. The question is, are you seeking him out? He goes on to say in this passage, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit, though the Holy Spirit. And that's why he says in verse 12, and we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, God's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So our job as Phillips is just to go and plant the seed and God will make it grow. Plant the seed and God will make it grow. First Corinthians goes on to say in chapter three now, he says, Paul is saying, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God. Somebody say God. It was God who made it what? Grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. Here's the importance. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their hard work. You might not see that reward right away, but I'm telling you, there's a reward coming if you do your part. Jesus sees you, God sees you, and he's wanting to take care of every single one of your needs. Just do what he's asked you to do. He will give you that reward. And to all the Nathaniels in the room that are listening to me right now, I want you to know that God is consistently trying to reveal himself to you. He's trying to get your attention every single day. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt there's a reason you're listening to me right now. There's a reason you're listening to me. And it's because God's been trying to get your attention this whole time. He wants you to know that he wants to reveal some truths in your life. That all the questions that you've had, all the doubts and the concerns that you had, he wants to reveal all the answers, all the deep secrets that you need to know. Are you paying attention to what he has to say? Are you allowing your doubts and your questions to cloud your judgment? He's constantly revealing himself to you. So as we close today, I want to quickly go through how practically, yeah, we talked about these truths and we talked about how important this is, but how practically do we walk out of here and help those doubters in our life? Because we have them. How can I help others through their doubts and questions? The first thing is simply this. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Know what you believe and why you believe it. First Peter chapter 3 reminds us. It says, be ready at all times. Somebody say all times. To answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you. But do it with gentleness and respect. Ah, I love that. Too many times we've allowed ourselves to get into debates with people. We have these conversations in these moments, you're trying to reveal truth to them, and it just feels like they're arguing with you, right? 
Your job is not to argue with them. Your job is just to reveal the truth and say, well, God, I've done my part. Help that grow in their life. So you got to do it, not trying to attack them. You're not supposed to walk up to them and say, you sinner, repent. Nobody's going to receive God that way. He wants you to be what? Respectful and gentle. That you, they would be able to receive what God asked them, but you've got to be ready. You've got to know what you believe and why you believe it. So if somebody says to you, why do you believe Jesus is the son of God? You've got to be ready for that question. Why do you believe that he rose after three days? You've got to be ready with that question. Be ready to know. The next thing we need to do is be relevant with the gospel. Write that down. Be relevant with the gospel. Identify people's current values and experiences that relate to what the gospel has to say. And then use appropriate points of contact to bring up uh, the subject of faith in conversations with them. Ask them questions about their life. And then try to present the gospel through their lens. I love how Titus tells us, Titus chapter 2 tells us, he says, Show yourselves to be entirely trustworthy and good, God says. Then you will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus if you're constantly depressed. Where is the joy of the Lord? If you're constantly critical and complaining about something, you're not set apart from the world. You're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. We have to allow ourselves to be different and separate in that way, but we have to remind ourselves that we have to be relevant with the gospel. Here's the problem that a lot of Christians have a lot of times. We find ourselves focusing too much on the Christian ease. You have a conversation with somebody, well, you just need to be saved and sanctified and washed in the blood. Somebody you're trying to share hope with that has never heard this before, you're telling them to be saved from what? Sanctified? What does that even mean? And washing the blood? Get out of here with that. How can you be relevant to them? Where they're at and what they know. You can't give them steak when they're on baby food. So when you're sitting down with your cousin, ask them how they're doing. How's their marriage? How's their family? Sit down with your coworker. Hey, how's your day been? Ask them questions. Probe. Probe. And as you ask these questions, you'll find a point. You'll find a moment. You know, I heard about your marriage and I heard about this, the, the tough things you guys are dealing with and how you feel like love's no longer there. You know, something I've learned in my life, in order for love to be present, it's the decision I have to make. But it's also because of the unconditional love that I feel that I want to give to my wife as well. You know, I found that unconditional love in God. All it takes is for you to ask the right questions, to be relevant to their lives, lose the Christianese, and allow the Holy Spirit to actually work through you. Be relevant to them. The next thing is this, communicate the entire gospel. Communicate the entire gospel. Don't restrict the way you present Christianity just to the parts that you enjoy the most. Be sure to be faithfully communicate the entire gospel message. Stop sharing the story of the walls of Jericho. 
that might be your favorite part of the Bible, cool, but they don't understand that. Well, I love the book of Revelation. I'm going to share with them the seven seals and the seven churches. and They don't care. <laughs> Present the entire gospel, yes, but allow yourself to be true to the story which is basically found in Jesus. That's the basic thing they need to know. So what do you share? First thing you need to share is his story. There's a problem. We have sinned. Romans chapter 3 reminds us, for all have sinned and fall short to the glory of who? God. Because of that problem, there's consequences. The consequence is that the penalty for sin is death. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So because there's a problem, there's a consequence. And God offers a solution. Christ died for you. Romans chapter 5 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And because of that solution, if we embrace that solution, we can receive the gift of God, which is simply, you can be saved by faith. For Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not that of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. Share his story. And the second thing you need to share, it's your story. What I love about our judicial system is that it's very clear about how much weight that a person's testimony holds on the stand. That they bring all these witnesses, eyewitnesses to come in because what they have to say is truth because of what they saw. And it holds weight in a court of law. I want to remind you before you walk out of here today that your story about how God has done something amazing in your life can hold weight in somebody else's opinion. What God is doing in and through you needs to be shared with somebody else because they want to experience life on life. They don't want to know what you know. They want to know how you make them feel and how your experiences have changed your life. So allow that to take place in your heart and your life. Share your story. And the last thing is simply this. Oh, excuse me. Two more things. First thing is here. Be ready for questions. Be ready for questions. This is probably the most uncomfortable part, but welcome people's honest questions about faith rather than viewing those questions as threats. Let them question. Listen, it's uncomfortable because you start to worry about, am I going to have the answer to that question? Listen, one of the most powerful answers you can give somebody is simply this. I don't know. I don't know. There's things that God is still revealing to me. And I'll get back to you. I'll go study that. Or I'll go, I'll go talk to Pastor Tom. It's okay if you don't know. But be ready and willing and say, sure, bring on your questions. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear about what your questions are. I love how Neil Donald Walsh reminds us. He says, life begins at the end of your comfort zone for you and for somebody else. And lastly, and I feel like most importantly when it comes to the practical hows of this, turn your worries into prayers. Turn your worries into prayers. Yes, the task of communicating the gospel to people whose souls are at stake is a weighty responsibility, but you don't need to be worried about the task because God has promised to empower you to do whatever he calls you to do. That's why James chapter one, verse five says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you he will not rebuke you for asking 
You need knowledge, you need wisdom, you need that from what only God can give. He will give it to you. I promise you that. Don't be worried. Don't be fearful. Allow your doubts and concerns to turn into prayers. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.